With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Hey guys, it's the hardcore legend Mick Foley here, and I need to call a quick timeout, a brief timeout, because I wanted to tell your listeners what I have been telling Foley is Pod listeners for a while now about all the cool things happening over on adfreeshows.com. We kick off 2023 by going back to 1983 and the debut of the NWA U.S. Heavyweight Championship, commonly referred to as the 10 Pounds of Silver, on an all-new edition of Title Chase. Overtime has just kind of worn out, and then uh, Magnum T.A. told me himself that he finally just polished some of the rest of it out because it just had some, just some little bit in the corners or whatever that uh, had hung on, and so he just finished the job. Our book series continues, and this time we turn to Jim Crockett Promotions. Conrad and David Crockett dive into Jim Crockett Jr.'s handwritten booking logs from January 1985. So tell us exactly what we're looking at here, the Red Books. All right, the Red Books, I have to tell you, are basically, and I'll hold one up, this is a calendar for a book for 1985. Yep. All right, in it, I'm just going to turn full page. Handwritten, uh, the matches, and also the gross of the city, towns that we're in, the matchups. And this is the Bible. It was started with my father. On January 24th, Ad Free Shows is bringing you another premium watch-along event as we celebrate the 35-year anniversary of the very first Royal Rumble. And we're watching it live with the winner of that historic match, Hacksaw Jim Duggan. Oh, hey folks, I'm WWE Hall of Famer Hacksaw Jim Duggan from the golden age of wrestling. And I'm celebrating the 35th anniversary of my win in the first ever Royal Rumble by watching this Royal Rumble on adfreeshows.com. Join me January 24th at 9 p.m. adfreeshows.com. Tough guy, first ever winner. Ho! That's just a small taste, a sampling, if you will, of what we have waiting for you. With four levels to choose from. Four. See for yourself why Ad Free Shows is the best value in wrestling today. Sign up now, right now, at adfreeshows.com. Yeah. Symbol of excellence in sports entertainment. We are broadcasting from the Blue Chew Studios. Try Blue Chew free when you use our promo code ARN at checkout. Just pay $5 shipping. 
Hello and welcome to Arn. This is Paul Bromwell, and today I'm joined by the Hall of Famer, the founder of the Four Horsemen, the creator of the Spinebuster. He's a comic book author and the man we at this show call the greatest television champion of all time. He's the enforcer. He's double A. He's Arn Anderson. Arn, how are you this week, my friend? It is 2023. A comic book or graphic novel, if you call mm. it that, is on the way. It is. I had a good Christmas and New Year's with my family, as did you, correct? I did, yes, sir. And I'm looking out my window right now, and the sky is blue, and it's like 67 degrees. In the middle of January. I mean, come on. 67 degrees in Charlotte, North Carolina. That's not bad, my friend. It's flawless. It That's is great. flawless. So let's, let's have a hell of a show today and have let's some fun, it. and let's... Uh, Put a little inside on some of this stuff. We're going to do it, man. Before I get there, I do want to talk about the hottest selling merchandise in all of boxagimmicks.com, and that is the Four Horsemen gear, my friend. The jackets are selling like hotcakes. You and I were just talking about it. Again, available in so many different colors, high-quality material, embroidered. You're showing off that hat, that full embroidered horseman logo that only Art Anderson now owns, that trademark. And we got it on hats, we got it on jackets, heavy-duty stick uh, stitching. And, buddy, these are premium pieces of merchandise uh, that we have available. And I know you love the jacket. When it came to you, you said, buddy, home run. And I can't put it over enough. Check it out, boxagimmicks.com, Arn. And they're true to size. That 2X is a perfect 2X. The hats are a little bit bigger for us big hog heads like myself. <laughs> and... Uh, I tried to tell Brock, I said, look, Brock, I have a, my fans are adult males. They don't have little skinny faces like those, you know, like those teenagers and such. Right. Grown ass, bad ass men wear my hat and it's big enough. There you go. So guys, listen, consider supporting the enforcer with this top line of pair apparel and ladies you got some ladies too we got amy and allison and others that are just big fans of the show so check it out you need a horseman jacket too and uh i mean come on next time you're at that convention if you're wearing that four horseman swag that's gonna pop the enforcer so support them and uh man we love it and i'm so glad arn that you are loving it because that's really you were the number one com customer that we wanted to please you wore the original no one knows it like you do my friend and if you believe in it that's what really mattered to all of us so i'm glad to hear it yeah i mean we're all trivia you know grown men love sports teams most of us and to get a vintage something <clears throat> that was just like the original man that's always cool always cool and right. i t matter of fact speaking of amy I, brock and i talked to her over the holidays there you go gave her a buzz and talked to her for about 15 minutes that's awesome she's such a nice lady such a good family and just one of the members of the of our overall family that's right huge supporter of you Arn, and every chance she gets to support you and brock she jumps all over it you're right she has a great family great heart uh, a sweet lady and uh she did let me know that she got to talk with you and it made her year uh, to talk with you, man. So, so cool to hear about that. But hey, let's jump into it. Last week, we talked about the fallout of Wrestle War and your first trip overseas, man, and uh, and your love of the U.S., let's put it that way, and your love for wrestling in America. Uh, but we got to hear some fun stuff of your, uh, your time in Japan and uh, what all that entailed, that huge audience, the big angle that came out of that show. Uh, we talked about your injury, uh, that groin injury you were dealing with when mm. you turned to the ring. Uh, we discussed uh, also uh, a little bit about, uh, you know, just come, overcoming injury. We had a lot of fan questions asking about that, and a lot of listener questions. But this month, pal, no more injuries. You're back in action, and rather than waste any more time talking about it, let's go to the first clip of the week. It's the finish of a tag match that featured you and Sid. It's, uh, you know, the muscle of the Four Horsemen, as we've come to, to know Sid. And you guys... I thought you were on. talking about me. Well, you are, you're the heavy, too, man. You, you, you definitely. <laughs> but, we, but you guys are taking on one of your favorite teams of all time. And I say that tongue-in-cheek. But it's Sting and George the Stiff. I mean, Elegante. You ready for this? From World Championship Wrestling. It's April 6, 1991. You want to check it out, Arn? Eight foot of weeping willow. <laughs> all right here we go april 
6, 1991, clip one, eight foot of Weeping Willow. Thinking a little strategy. Then he kicks back up. Oh, yeah, Arn. He kicked right back up in your face. Television champion. Doesn't like the looks of this one. Takes it another turn. Staying counter. to make a little U-turn there. That's a veteran move to anticipate the offense from the Stinger. Well, the enforcer is not only a brutal competitor, but he's a very, very intelligent one at that. And there he is, the most intense grappler in the history of World Championship Wrestling, the true giant Sid Vicious. The Stinger said to say hello to all the great fans in Montgomery, Alabama. It'll be Monday night, and Arn Anderson wants to be anywhere tonight but in the corner with El Gigante. Yes, that is the look of a very concerned, shall we say, individual. Hey, discretion is the better part of valor. You don't want to tangle with Eligante. Not when you're on Anderson, but when you're this man, you'd love to get your hands on that so-called giant. Well, Sid is a monster. He is sadistic. He is cold. But he will not intimidate the Stinger. He fires up with the right hand. Vicious reverses the Irish whip, but he missed the clothesline. But Sting caught here. Sting going for the pin. One. Oh, he got his foot on the rope. Vicious comes up fighting. Makes the tag to the enforcer, Arn Anderson, who comes in with a left hand. Sting fighting back. Down goes the television champion. Down goes the television champion again. Well, we don't have a big problem. Anderson and Vicious have the big problem. Outside, Sid? from behind is Sid Vicious. He didn't even move, Aligante. Kicks him in a solar plexus. They can't take him down. Holy cow. Sid going for the claw. He needs to block this. He's, He's got, got it. it on the shoulder. He's got it on the trapezius muscle. Anderson, that left hand on the elbow there. Rick Sting's eyes. Sid now trying to work on Eligante. Sting, cross body on Anderson. He's going to pin down the leg. Sid is going for the power bomb. Ladies and gentlemen. Vicious went for the power bomb. Sting knocked him off. They were going to try to break that hand. That tremendous hand strength with that that, the, that he claws with, the claw hand, if you will. Here are your winners, the team of Sting and El Gigante. Vicious was going to powerbomb El Gigante, fans. Well, there it goes, El Gigante. Now, one of the things I noticed, Arm, before we jump into this, was when Sting and Sid went nose to nose, I just think, I just thought, man, that's printing, printing money right there, a rivalry with those two. God, we should have just singled it out and had a better single run with it. And Sid was, you know, accomplished enough at that point that, that man, he, you know, he moved out there for a guy his size. He could take some bumps. Oh, absolutely. There's, there's a difference in a monster that can move and take bumps and everything he does looks solid versus, conversely, the eight-foot weeping willow. You talk about looking solid. I want to talk about a few things that I noticed from you in this one, and you're known for credibility and believability. And uh, my goodness, one thing that I noticed watching that was your amazing facials that you implemented throughout this match. For those of us, that, those of you that are just listening to this, we uh, we got to watch it here. And if you're watching on YouTube, your expressions, your registering, your selling—that's all top shelf. So if you will, because we all love sitting under the learning tree of Arn Anderson, can you spend some time telling our audience about your approach to creating a facial expression that matches the moment? I think this is important because I don't know that in today's wrestling, we always see that from some of all these young performers. But why is it so, you know, so important for wrestlers to make sure that the facials are there? <clears throat> I have a theory. Okay, this is just a theory. Our business is based on 
take in any offensive move. If we're sitting there on the bench talking, Paul, and we're just chatting back and forth and we're yucking it up and we're having a Coke Icy or whatever we're doing, and just out of the blue, I thump you in the nose. I'm going to get a, the hell's the matter with you? Yeah. Reaction. It's a real reaction. If you take everything offensively that is done to you and sell it the way it should be, not more, not less, our business becomes so easy to follow. A match becomes so easy to follow. It's where guys don't sell at all. And let's don't mistake selling for taking bumps. You can come screaming off those ropes, and if I stick an elbow in your mouth and you take a textbook flat back bump, but you come up off the deck and never feel for those teeth that you think are missing, you miss the boat. That's not selling. That's just taking bumps. So it's a real it's a real simple theory. Just sell everything that is done to you to the degree that it should be. Not more, not less, and it's a piece of cake. I love what you said there. If you're kicked in the teeth, make sure you show that it looked like you got kicked in the teeth. If the stomach, if the groin, wherever, make sure it looks like that's where you hurt or taking it. Just not... I mean, I couldn't have said it better than what you did there. It's, it makes perfect sense. Take the audience to, if it's a kick in the knee, reach down, grab your knee, and sell it, and let your facial match it. Take take the audience's eyes with you into the sale. That's all. Guide them right where you want them to be paying attention. Because if you don't, if you get kicked in the knee and you never grab your knee and you just move on to something else, it might as well have never happened. Speaking of selling Orin, the other thing that I wanted to touch on was how you uh, and Sid both made the giant such a big deal. You guys were selling it facial, you know, facial wise. You made the most of what was given to you with him, and you went as far as to sell his presence—not just you know what he was doing to you, but his presence—and you made sure that the physicality, you know, that he did bring. Uh, made it. You made it look as best as you possibly could. Uh, but when we see the interaction with Sid Eleganti, absolutely no soul, the most dangerous man in the Horseman. Was this just a mandate from Dusty and the creative team to make him look invincible, or is this just another example of how he lacked the skills necessary to wrestle with the Horseman? Or what can you tell us about well, that? Well, at that time, I mean, just think about this. <clears throat> there were no seven footers in the business except the giant Andre. Right? Right. And he was the giant, trust me. Uh, so now you've got a guy eight foot tall, legitimately eight feet tall. And if you don't sell him and sell his height as being something special, because he's a he's a damn near a foot taller than everybody else in the business. And and that's what you're relying on and you're selling but the fact of the matter is, if what he does athletically is not eight-foot physicality, if it's five-six physicality, the eight-footer becomes five-six. Yeah. Simple as that. You know, when, you know, it, it just, and sometimes we're doing the Popeye, oh, my God, there's the giant. It's a ha-ha spot. It's a comedy spot, but it's at least better than having what I, my worst fears are. If you're a babyface fan, is he's an eight-foot stiff. He's not an eight-foot monster that's going to kill somebody. He's going to make it right for Sting and make it right for Brian and whoever his partners may be. Well, let's talk a little bit about something I know you're going to enjoy, and it's because we're going to talk a little bit about Bobby Eaton here, Arn, uh, because along with continuing to work with Sting and his allies, another angle would begin this month, the month of April, and it was the dissension that started inside the Horsemen and the future of the faction. And as a reminder, guys, Arn, this is the beginning of the Barry Windham face turn that never really ended the way it should have because Flair left the company in July, and in old-school wrestling fashion, the turn was played out over the course of a couple months. 
But in our next clip, we learn what your thoughts are on the potential rift inside the group. You also address your Super Brawl opponent and real-life best friend, Bobby Eaton, and play a part in the closing moments of the main event match from the program. And in our second clip of the week, let's take a look at what went down on World Championship Wrestling. This clip's from April 13th, 1991. Here we go. It is my honor, it is my privilege to welcome into the Danger Zone tonight the enforcer himself, Double A Arn Anderson. Now on May 19th, exclusively on pay-per-view at Super Brawl 1991, this man will defend the world television title against beautiful Bobby Eaton. But before I ask you about that, sir, let me ask you this. The American Dream Dusty Rhodes interviewed Barry Wyndham a couple weeks ago and he couldn't get to the heart of the matter. He beat around the bush. I want to know, sir, exactly what is going on with the four horsemen. Well, Paulie, dangerously for the last six years, it's been an honor and a privilege to be a member of the horsemen. A lot of things came my way in short fashion simply because I was one of the horsemen. A lot of respect came to me, but if I flip the coin, a lot of things passed me by. World title shots, sometimes US title shots, a lot of things passed me by. Now I'm not making mistakes and I'm not making excuses because excuses are the crutches of the untalented. I'm not untalented and I'm not an underachiever. May 19th, Bobby Eaton, you come for something that belongs to me, not the four horsemen. This belongs to me. I earned it alone. I'm going to defend it alone. Now you're all man, and on May 19th, that's what I want you to be. All the man you can be, because to take this, you're going to have to take out Arn Anderson, the enforcer, not one of the horsemen. It looks to me at Super Brawl, it's Bobby Eaton that's going to enter the danger zone when he steps in the ring with the world TV champion at Super Brawl. And now we're going back to the ring. Oh, they're exchanging it with all they have. Flair with the advantage, but Pillman will not quit. He's like a pit bulldog. He doesn't know the meaning of stop. He doesn't know the meaning of quit. And Flair continues to hammer. Breaks the eyes. Dropkick referee Randy Anderson. Flair had a well scouted drop down. Now Flair with a knee in the back. Pillman thrown over the top, but he holds on. Flair doesn't see. Flair thinks he's on the floor. Brian Bryan now up on top. start uh, talking about the promo that you, you gave there because you hit that go home line buddy excuses are the crutches of the untalented 
Ah, oh, another amazing promo. And it looks to me that this is so successful because it was an honest account of your career. Would you agree with that characterization concerning the promo you just cut? <clears throat> I wish I knew where that stuff came from. Man. Like I said, I read USA paper every single day. So maybe some of it came there. I just think it's, it's okay for a heel to be intelligent and articulate and a good wrestler. You know, the only thing that really makes him a heel is at the right time he avoids contact, number one, and he knows when to pull up and take a step backwards. The rest of it, you really don't have to change. And uh, it was important to get that, that fact out that my respect for Bobby because I was as excited about this match as I've ever been. You know, we, we missed the run with them when we left, Tully and I, with mm -hmm. the Midnights. Now I get a second crack with Bobby Eaton in a single match for the TV title. Man, I was excited. Well, because I know him and I love him, and he, and he does a great job for us here on the show, and I know he won't care that I say it. The research guy went from 6 to midnight, by the way, with that promo, because two of the greatest workers in the history of the business are set to hook it up at Super Brawl, man, and it's over that television title. And before you get nervous, this isn't a Blue Chew-sponsored ad, uh, but listen, in all seriousness, you and beautiful Bobby for the TV title on pay-per-view, you know his ability you know what he can do in the ring. You're friends with him personally. How special is it for you that you're going to be able to work a promo, a program, should I say, now one-on-one -on -one with Bobby Eaton? <clears throat> I would say as excited as any match I'd ever had. Mm. That's how excited I was because I knew we were going to be able to put on a clinic, sell everything that is right to a T, like, just like the way it would, should be. And, uh, you know, just Bobby was so talented. It was that rare situation that there was a title on the line. There was a personal issue. And you had a guy that was, Bobby Eaton was as good as anybody has ever been at this. Period. So all the elements were there. If you wanted to shine in my spot, I'm the guy sitting in the spot if you wanted to make this a, a situation where the, get the match over and everybody else will get over, this was the situation. I want to talk a little bit here too, Arn, about uh, the dissension in the ranks that they have now going on with the Four Horsemen. We know that this is the peak of the Flair Herd uh, rivalry, if you will, for lack of a better word. That's going to uh, come to a head on July 1st. We've talked about that. When Flair quits, gets fired, whatever the case may be. But, Arn, do you remember if the rift angle inside the horseman was only intended to turn Barry face or did Hurd intend to break up the group in its entirety? What do you remember about this? <clears throat> I wouldn't think so because okay. we hadn't been together how long? I mean, a couple of months. Yeah. Yeah. It was too early, to, too early for that. I think it was just a... A situation of maybe, maybe there was some more going on behind the scenes that we didn't necessarily know about, and so they were going to put some uh, teasers out there about dissension, because dissension in that group creates interest, because we didn't do it all the time. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, it was something. It was a unique. It was it was a new twist. Think so. Yeah. Maybe then, maybe that's what it started out to be, but then it became necessary once he left. And and I gotta say that I was a fan too. I was really digging uh, what was going on with Pillman and all this. I mean, WCW's checking a lot of boxes here with him. He's got that strong outing against Ric Flair, which is in that clip, uh, strong enough to prompt your interference and help uh, with the ending of that match. You said it's not all about the Horsemen during the promo taking a much more self-centered approach, but then do what you always did and have the back of the nature boy. So it is excellent storytelling that I would argue is geared toward the long-term fans as opposed to garnering a new uh, audience. Uh, would you agree with that? Yes, yes. And, you know, I was always the enforcer. I was Rick's enforcer to ensure that he remained champion for six years up until that point. I had his back. I had his, you know, I was his, his muscle, 
as I was. Arn, it's time to thank our sponsor this week, Titan Nutrition. They're offering a full line of expertly formulated nutritional products to help you achieve your health and fitness goals. And my goodness, it's the start of 2023, and we need to get moving. We need to work off some of these holiday meals that uh, unfortunately accumulate around our bellies. And uh, it's time to do it. This is the time. Get ready for that summertime at the beach. And one product that can not only help you burn off those excess calories, but also give you the mental boost you need to move your body is Titan's Powdered Weight Loss Formula and Leet. This great tasting drink increases your metabolic rate so you burn more calories in the gym and at rest. It also contains healthy fiber, which is great for gut health and helps keep cravings away between meals. While it has plenty of caffeine to substitute your coffee, and Leet also has a nootropic or smart drug complex to help you focus. It lifts your mood and productivity. And Leet also comes in six amazing flavors that can be easily mixed and taken on the go, so it's super simple. Find it at TitanNutrition.net and save 10% plus get free shipping when you use our promo code ARN at checkout. That's titannutrition.net, T-I-T-A-N, nutrition.net, code ARN to save 10% right now and get free shipping. So on the following week, three of the four horsemen appeared on World Championship Wrestling in a stand-up interview. It's always some of our favorites. Let's take a look. It's uh, April 20th, 1991. We want to hear what all you had to say. It's World Championship Wrestling, one of our favorite shows. From April 20th, 1991, in our third clip of the week, we have four. Let's check it out. Aldo Rivera, not Maury Povich, not Jim Ross, and certainly not Gordon Soley. Only Pauline Andrusley could land this exclusive. Ladies and gentlemen, three of the four horsemen, the enforcer, double A, Arn Anderson, Barry Windham, and the heavyweight champion of the world, Nature Boy. You talk about an honor. You talk about running in the fast lane. I'm standing with Double A on Anderson, who at Super Pro, the greatest pay-per-view of all time, will defend the TV title against beautiful Bobby Barry Windham, who's beaten each and every opponent for the last several months, and the heavyweight champion of the world, Nature Boy Ric Flair, who at Super Pro will enter the ring against a man that thinks he has a claim to your title, Tatsumi Fujinami. Yeah, well, he thought a lot of things. But when I got off that 747 in Tokyo, aside from driving every little woman with eyes like this out of her mind, I personally showed every athlete in Japan what the sports of professional wrestling. Woo! All of our Paulie and a super brawl with Fujinami. Watch that all on my side of the world. <laughs> He'll really pay the price. You know, Nature Boy, I hate all these reporters that say, what if Fujinami does this? What if, hey, I know for a fact that you're going to get by Tetsumi Fujinami. So my question, sir, to you is this. What comes after Super Brawl? Well... When you're one of the four horsemen, when you're Ric Flair, I guess you're Barry Windham, we can pretty much call our own shot. Now, why don't you get around to asking me what you're trying to say and quit mincing words? What I'm trying to say is, Nature Boy, there are a lot of top contenders. Who's going to be next in line for a title shot after Super Brawl? My friend, the only real Great wrestlers, in my mind, are at my side. The world's television champion, the greatest television champion of all time. And Barry Windham, Mr. Technician himself, a top 
contender? What are you trying to say, little man? No, I'm not trying to say anything. I just want to know after Super Brawl, who's going to get the title shot at the heavyweight championship of the world? Anybody that wants to sign on the dotted line, Helen Keller, you understand that? Yeah, I think I am. And whoever it may be will get beat just like that, Helen Keller. Read through it, baby. Huh. Well, that ends that, uh, Helen Keller. So here we go. He took the entire interview, Arn, but what he did, and that was to deliver the message that the booking called for. So think about it. The inaugural Super Brawl, which we'll discuss next week, looking forward to that, features Flair and Fujinami in the main event as a follow-up to the match that we saw last week where it appeared Fujinami took the title off of Nature Boy. But the New Japan deal had a lot of potential, but as we found out thanks to our AFS colleague Eric Bischoff, the run here damaged the relationship that Bischoff had to fix in order to bring New Japan back into the WCW fold in 1995. What did you think about working with New Japan, and in particular, because there's no internet or social media at that time, Flair working with someone in Fujinami that was largely unknown in the U.S.? I mean, like you said, we just didn't know who they, who they were. Yeah, it wouldn't have meant anything. I mean, your hardcore fans are the ones that got, in that point of time, <clears throat> got wrestling magazines. It's the only way you found yeah. out about stuff overseas. Uh, I think that promo kind of led you. The fact that Barry and I didn't say anything kind of led you to a, well, something's going on here, and maybe that was the plan to start you know, getting Barry ready for the next shot. It certainly looks like it on the outside, but we're Monday morning quarterbacks too. Sure. Yeah, he's a, he's a, he's the six six elephant in the room. But it's fair to say that a facial expression or gesture might have helped take this promo home. But I saw Barry try, but I would have liked to see him take it just a little further. But it's subtle and nuanced as opposed to almost uh, you know an afterthought. But uh, what did you think about the thoughts on this now seeing it as we're Monday morning quarterbacking it as far as moving the story forward? Do you think it, it worked? Well, it's okay for it just to be the first piece. It, I'll have to see how it lays out. Okay. I don't remember how it lays out. Yeah, we'll, we'll follow it along here. Uh, you're back from injury. You and Barry continue, by the way, to team together. We're going to watch this as it evolves. But uh, on an episode of the main event from April 21st, as we continue through the month, you and Barry would team up against Brian Pillman and Elegante. Uh, and in our final clip of the week, we're going to watch what happened when the horsemen were challenged by Flying Brian and Old George. Let's take a look. Pillman, who has, as we said, has one, his motivating factor is revenge on Wyndham and Anderson, on Ric Flair, on Sid Vicious. Tremendous crowd on hand. This match has drawn a great deal of interest. Of course, our editor of the wrestling wrap-up, Dennis Brennan, ringside, covering this event. And there's the tag, the big man, the real giant. It's WCW or anywhere else. Steps right over the top rope. Since when the for the ride. And there's a clothesline like no other. Ellie Gante making another quick tag to Flying Brian. Flying Brian up and over. Down goes Wendell. And Ellie Gante steps over the top. Wait a minute, here's Rick Flair. Flair just pushed Pillman off the top rope. Just push Brian Bryan off the top rope. Eligante's choking Wyndham. The Pilmer's going to be counted down. Ladies and gentlemen, the winners of the match, the team of Arn Anderson and Barry Flair wants his men to get out of the ring before Eligante takes them apart. Oh, what, a, what an injustice here of the world's heavyweight champion Wyndham and Anderson have defeated Fly and Brian here. There you see Ali Gante has stepped over the top, but keep your eye on Ric Flair. 
Flair shoving Pillman face first right off the top rope. Now listen, I know we like to have a little bit of fun talking about uh, Elegante, but the crowd did pop hard when he got the hot tag, that's for sure. So something was working. Well, there were clinging to the fact that at some point he's going to fire up, I guess. Yeah. Shame they never got it. Yeah. I also want to talk a little bit about Pillman because, you know, post the War Games match where that we watched that nasty powerbomb, uh, he's got a lot of momentum going on here. On the Super Bowl pay-per-view, which we're going to get, uh, you know, we're going to talk about soon, he's going to take on Barry Wyndham in a tape fist match. Uh, and I want to spend a few minutes here because he's on a, on a nice trajectory here, if you think about it. Everyone loves the underdog story. Brian keeps finding himself on the losing end. Would it have hurt uh, the horseman, you think, at this point to put Pillman over in some of these television matches? What are, you, what are your thoughts on that? No, of course not. Uh, Brian, you know, he could stand in there and chop with Rick and those little hands of his, those little bitty stubby fingers hurt too, by the way. And he could do the high flying stuff so he could fight you. He could do the really pretty high impact stuff off the top. I mean, Brian was on his way to having a hell of a career. Would you consider that behind Sting, he was probably number two or three babyface at this point? Um, I'd have to look at a talent list, but he would be up in the top five. Yeah, for sure. I, I think for sure. You're right. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, the fans are responding to him. He's got the high flying moves. He's doing things that people haven't seen before. And, uh, I just wonder, you know, Dusty, I'm sure he and the booking committee, uh, really loved him. I mean, I, you could have seen where it would have made sense to give him a mega push, maybe against a Ric Flair, uh, but hey, they're going to turn Wyndham, and uh, you know, instead of really pushing Flying Brian to the moon, I guess. So that's the decision that we all kind of see unfold here. Well, you got to remember in the background, you got Luger and the Steiners, right? Yeah. You know, you got you'd have to have a talent list in front of me to know, but but you know, Brian was kind of creating his own push by his performance, and. Uh, that's okay because he's everything I've seen him do on these clips. He's done a very, very good job with it. So, absolutely, Arn. Uh, as we start to head into the uh, wrapping up the show this week, we have a number of fan questions that we're going to get into. Uh, this this month didn't take us nearly as long as some months have, so this is good. We have a lot of questions, and so we're going to roll through those. And we're going to start with Drew Landry, and he wants to know, this is your second time around working with Sting, this time a more polished and experienced Steve Borden. How had Sting matured as a performer? Likewise, how had you and the Horsemen matured and evolved at this point in your careers? Well, we were all getting better. You know, every year you spend in the business and you get to work with a bunch of different talent and different settings and different companies and all that, you... You know, it gives you an opportunity to get better at what you do, and Sting was getting better. Um, I think we had established that that was going to be our guy. He was, you know, uh, he was going to be the number one baby face in the company, and that's a big deal for any company. And uh, so I feel like we knew what our job was when we are in the ring with him. It was just a shame that he had to, kind of sell a lot more to get the giant the tag. And uh, I would have rather seen Brian and Sting in some of those tags. Brian could have sold, gave Sting the comeback, or conversely, Sting could have sold, give Brian the comeback. Arn, I know uh, we talk about it sometimes here and there when we talk about Sting. You both work for the same company. Are there still times that the schedule matches up that you still get to see each other and say hi and chat a little bit, you and uh, you and Sting? A little bit. You know, it's uh, usually walking those halls of AEW that get pretty hectic in the late afternoon. And uh, if we pass, we do. I don't make a point to go seek him Chasing out. Chasing him, yeah. No, no. And uh, But I've always thought a lot of him as a human being. I don't think you'll find it anywhere in print that I've had anything negative to say about the guy. He's a good human being. He's a good guy. You know, he's been a big star in this business for a long time. And to be doing the stuff he's doing now at his age, hell, what is he, 62? Yeah, it's incredible. 
I'm 64 and sitting here with an ice pack on my back, and I don't even wrestle anymore. So and, much and, respect. Yeah, I love to hear you say that because everyone, you know, when I talk to Kurt or whoever, no one has one negative word about to say about Sting. Uh, he just seems like the one guy uh, that just everyone says how much of a stand-up guy and a great guy he was to work with. Yep, and they would all be right. Good character guy. Glad to hear it. And uh, happy that he hasn't had that debilitating injury that still allows him uh, to go out and entertain from time to time the fans. Uh, I want to pause this episode of Arn to make you wear something that Arn and I are really big fans of, and that's Jimmy's Famous Seafood. If you've not eaten there, then you don't know what you're missing. Check it out, Jimmy's FamousSeafood.com. They ship food nationwide, and right now we have an offer for you Free two-day nationwide shipping on orders over $125. Now, that excludes steam crabs and some fresh items, but $125. They have items like crab cakes, soups, chowders, oysters, signature steaks. I'm telling you, their crab cake egg rolls are to die for. I get it every time I go. When you use promo code ARN, just those three letters at checkout, you're going to be able to take advantage of that free two-day nationwide shipping. They have several packages that make great holiday gifts, such as the famous gift box. That includes four of the world's best colossal Maryland crab cakes, mm, two different crab soups, crab dip, seafood seasoning, and their signature base sauce. Or there's the tailgate bundle, two pounds of wings, a full rack of ribs, a pint of crab dip, and crab cake mix or you can create your own package, and boy, do they have options. They've been in business over 40 years. They've been featured in Diners, Drive-Ins, and Dives, and Bobby Flay, and so much more. So check it out, jimmysfamousseafood.com. Use promo code ARN, and you'll get that free two-day nationwide shipping. Again, it's going to arrive so quick, fresh, ice cold, and you're going to be the hit of your next gathering. Take advantage of this offer right now. Jimmy'sFamousSeafood.com, promo code ARN. Uh, Bryant Haremz is up next, and he says, uh, it seems one of the members of the Horsemen were always hurt, often leaving you and Rick to wrestle two times a show. Coming back from your own injury, did you, uh, it, was there ever a thought that you should slow down maybe to keep from re-aggravating the injury or you know, just take a little bit less wear and tear on your body. No, no, I didn't know you could. I didn't know you could say no. You had one speed. Go to work, do the best you can. Uh, whatever your job is, if it's, if I've got three minutes that day, I'm going to make it the best three minutes of the show. Brian also has a fun question and this is good. Uh, he put, put this out there on Twitter too. And I saw it. He said, I'm using my WCW results book to help me ask questions, which I love. He says, and it says on April 21st of 91 this month here, that a show was canceled because the ring crew did not show up. I'm sorry. The ring did not show up. If that's true, how the hell does that even happen? So WCW had to cancel a show because the ring didn't show up. Do you ever recall that happening? Uh, Is I don't there know a yeah. Is there a town that goes? It doesn't that? say the town. It just says April 21st here in his question. Show was canceled because the ring did not show up. Have you ever remembered that in your, in your life? Never. I mean, that's crazy, isn't it? That's the very first step to, to running a town. You got to I mean, have hello. a ring there. You know, come on. And it's April. It's not like it's, you know, dead of winter. So I don't I, know. I, God, I don't know. Maybe there's some more info. You know, if he wants to come up with the info. And <laughs> yeah, what, and, and let us know. Yeah, that's yeah. really weird. That is, that's wacky. I just didn't know if it was one of those, that's one of those, you know. Unless it, yeah, because they always move in the day before. Yeah. Who knows know? if a truck broke down, major issue, logistic problem. I don't know, Brian, but that's a fun question. That's a nugget. That's a nugget that we didn't know, and I'd love to see where you get this WCW results book, is uh, where the name of it is. So hit us up on social. Our man Marcus will let us know, and we can, uh, we can find out about it. Uh, he has another question. He says, on one show, Barry was hurt, and Kevin Nash as Master Blaster Steel uh, sub for him. What were Arn's thoughts on Kevin Nash at the time, and had you ever seen any of his work before? He had just, was just getting started. He was first stage green. 
but he was a big dude and a funny guy. You know, Kevin's right away, if you're in the locker room with Kevin for 10 minutes, you know, you find out how, you know, entertaining he is. But he was, there's another pushing that seven foot deal, right? Yeah. Big dude. Yeah. yeah. Big dude. Green, but you know what? He wasn't. Uh, he was a guy that you know obviously took to the business, and uh, and and figured it out, and had a just a unbelievable career. Now he's an ad-free show guy, has a successful podcast, and doing well. And uh, so it's just it's just cool though, as you go through your journey to see some of these guys as you as you get to meet them and and see where their career takes off. Uh, next up, Edward Jones, advisor and wrestling superfan, our buddy Lenny Bakken asked. If future Arn had told 1991 Arn that he only had six years left in the business, would you have done anything differently at this point in your career? Hmm. I don't think so. I enjoyed working for WCW. It was, the tapings were based, most of them, at that, that time around Atlanta. That check came every two weeks if you worked one day, no days, 14 days. Your wife can stabilize your lifestyle when that happens. They can plan your life. If you got a, th in those days, if you had a three year contract, whatever that broke down to bi weekly, you were going to know that three years later, you would never miss a beat. And, uh, you know, they, it was uh, being on that TV opened a lot of doors for you, too. People today, to recognize me 40 years later, most of it is from TBS. Well, it's not the Brain Buster stuff. That's more of a, you know, a WWF audience. But worldwide, I mean, when the guy, when they're playing... Uh, year-old television in uh, the Bahamas and you go down and as soon as you sit down the guy serving drinks comes over and knows who you are you hadn't been there five minutes that's the Pretty way cool. it was that's the way it was everywhere hmm. you know it was such a strong television station in those days you know they carried the Braves America's team they had wrestling and buddy, everybody, when your face is on there every week, that's that was the one thing about the TV belt that I figured out. You're going to get 10, 15, sometimes 20 minutes of television every week. Good point. That, that's how you get over. It's a lot of work. But, you know, what is it called? Q factor? Yeah. You know, you want to pump up your Q factor? There you go. It, and if anyone can appreciate a uh, a wrestler knowing that every two weeks that paycheck's going to drop for three years consistently, it's an Edward Jones advisor like Lenny Bakken who wants to help you invest that money. So, uh, well said. Were there ever any plans for after wrestling, Arn? Any other plans that at this point, 91, were you thinking long-term at all? Did you have any thoughts like, hey, I could see myself being an agent or doing producer work or behind the scenes. What, what did you think about it? This, but did you think about that? Uh, I never really had a, a big plan because when I went to Charlotte in 85, I basically went with a, my car and my clothes about 500 bucks. And I built everything that we had from scratch, a piece at a time. We lived in that little house I bought for 12 years, sold it. There came the down payment for the much bigger house on out on the edge of town. And uh, I guess, Paul, to be honest with you, I, I never had a B plan or thought what would I do if I didn't wrestle because since eight years old, it's all I ever wanted to do. Yeah. And that never changed. But I was smart enough that once we got a home and got it furnished and got a couple of cars so we could function, so if I left in the car, I didn't leave her stranded driving to a town. And all those things, 
you know, once you get there, now you start saying, well, let's start putting up some money for the, for the future. Right. And you got to be smart, and it's almost a cliche. It's a joke in the wrestling business. The old-timers used to say, save your money. Save your money, kid. They knew what they were talking about because the reality is if you were out of the business, retired either because you wanted to or because no one wanted to use you or you got hurt, whatever the reason was, there's not much call out in the real world for beat-up ex-40-year-old wrestlers. There's just not. Mm. And there really wasn't back then. So here we sit still make it a living off the business if you really want to look at it 40 years later almost isn't that incredible i'm so lucky and so fortunate so blessed that anybody even wants to talk wrestling with me that remembers me that was alive at the time that we were hot um sometimes i just pinch myself and go god God waved his magic wand over you, buddy, and you didn't get it all, but you got a little slice, and mm. that's all right. That's good enough. That's good. I'm glad. You, and and it's, 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 it speaks to your character, how you put that into perspective and how you view that, Arn. I'll tell you that right now. We are so thankful that you are able and willing and, and do this with us each and every week here on the show and that you're out there with your fans, meeting them so gracious. Uh, so there you go. Scott Golden, we'll move on to him, writes in. He says, Bobby Eaton had one of the best off-the-top rope leg drops in wrestling history. Was it ever stiff, or did he take the brunt of the impact? Also, did you ever consider adding any moves from the top rope to your personal arsenal? Shit. Okay. Before we <laughs> Are you kidding? I couldn't wait for that part. <laughs> Scott Golden? Yeah, it's him. Yep. Scott, you saw me work. You knew that, <laughs> number one, when you come off the top, 50% can it turn out good. 50% can turn out bad. I like a little better odds than that. I have no high-flying skills. I've never even came off the bottom rope. Lauren, I remember one time we talked when I first started doing your show, and you're like, Paul, I'm not even doing a drop kick into a swimming pool, okay? I mean, leave it, you know, we were talking about leaving your feet. <laughs> yes. I'm gotten, <laughs> I have no talent in that area, that's for sure. I just figured I'd stand on the ground and draw money. How about that? How about the Bobby Eaton piece? One of the be he said one of the best off the top rope leg drops in history. Was it ever stiff, or did he just always take the brunt of the impact? The best. Yeah. And hey, what about the knee that he dropped and rolled yes. through off the top? That that to me was was more vicious than the Alabama Jam. But no, he he never hurt me, or I never know of him ever hurting anybody. Which means he took most of it on his butt. Which means. He probably suffered with the same low back issues that I'm battling, you know. Had yeah. to, because that's where you take the brunt of it. I'm sure. Yeah, against that that butt, right against that canvas from that high up, over and over again through the years. Oh, I don't knock your hip out, for sure. <sighs> yeah. Uh, as a follow-up from our past show, Nick Lenz wants to know what you thought of the name Russell War for a pay-per-view. Along these same lines, our research guy wants to know if you have a favorite and least favorite pay-per-view name. So what did you think of, of Russell War as a pay-per-view name? Do you like that? Yeah, catchy. Uh, okay, so not, d d d he dug it a little bit. What about, uh, what about did you have a favorite and least favorite pay-per-view name? You had Fall Brawl, Halloween Havoc, Great American Bash. Uh, uh, then you get into the WCW new ones with Greed and Sin. And uh, what else did you have? This is off the cuff. Uncensored, Super Brawl, Starcade. Bash at the Beach. Any favorites? Uh, I'm missing some, I know, but. Well, Bash at the Beach, when we did it out, when we actually were on the beach and you had all those folks out in California. You like that name? The name of it? I liked Bash it because it paid off. Yeah. You know, it, it was, I don't know how many thousands of people they were out there on the beach. Uh, what was the name of the. Uh, the one in Sturgis. Oh yeah, uh, Road Wild or Hog Wild? 
Hogwild. Uh, Hogwild, yeah. yeah. Yeah, because the bikes were pretty, you know, made their presence known, all the guys out there on their bikes. Because they were just crank them up and rev them up at any point in the match they wanted to. You know what? A great American Bash for me as a kid, it was like the Bash. I mean, it was just cool. Summertime, July 4th, it was like the whole deal. Halloween Havoc was a cool one. So, anyway, did you have one that were like, this sucks? Not I can't really. remember one that stands out. Not really. I mean, there, there were some shows that stood out that sucked, I'm sure. Yeah. If I go back and look at them. <laughs> but names, you, that didn't bother you at all. Uh, no. All right. Final question, and we're going to wrap up. Our top guy, Bobby, and uh, he says, when Super Brawl is added to the pay-per-view lineup, a lineup that only had Russell War, Great American Bash, Halloween Havoc, and Starcade. I could have just looked down. He had them all listed here. Is there any pushback from other talent, or is everyone generally excited about another pay-per-view opportunity? Did you guys love adding pay-per-views? Because it's, I would assume, bigger, more payday opportunities, or no? Well, no, but we thought it might turn into that if they were successful. That's that's the other side of uh, set contracts. Yeah, you don't get any extra for the clashes or pay per views. Gotcha. It's, it's whatever your salary is. That's what you get. Ah. and the marketing wasn't probably what it should have been. You know, we could have all made some money. I think off of that, we just weren't. You know, the company was a startup company. You know, you can't fuel everything. I guess at one time, and but. There were a lot of big stars and a lot of money that we could have probably made if we had the right marketing guys. But I was happy with my salary. I was. Great. I know you were. You sound very content with what with the opportunity there, the money that you made there, and it was great for you and your family. Arn, this has been a fun month. I, I love the, the questions, and and uh, thank you for all of you. We're going to try to continue to interject questions because I think it adds a layer that the fans want to know from this area of your career. We're also going to do Ask Arn Anything at least once a month, probably the last show of every month. So not next week, but the week after, we're going to Ask Arn Anything. I get I get comments and dms that say these are some of their favorite episodes of the arn show is just being able to pick your brain and talk to you and and hear their questions the listeners questions and have you answer them so we're going to do that more this year uh but man really appreciate it we can see the political waters are getting awfully choppy and in the coming shows we're going to discuss that in further detail buddy it's heard and flair they're going to continue to jockey for power and influence inside wcw but next week Buckle up, boys and girls, because the two best tag team wrestlers we've talked about in the modern era square off in the semi-main event for the television title. We're talking Bobby Eaton and Arn Anderson. We're also going to see Flair defend against Fujinami. Sid takes on Elegante, yay, in a stretcher match. That ought to be fun, Arn. And then uh, Barry and Pillman, they're going to go to war in a tape fist match. It is Super Brawl. And safe to say next week is going to be a lot of fun, Arn. I can't wait. I have a request. You got it. Because not remembering the match until I see it, but knowing that it was a clinic, would we be able to watch all of that match? Because I think a lot of young guys could learn from it, or most of it. We can. Uh, we will work with the research guy and our clip man, and we will get uh, the bulk of it, if not all of it. I don't know how long it is. If it's a 20-minute banger, I don't think we can do that, but we can at least get some, some of it clipped together uh, so that we can, we can give you a nice package, highlight overview of that match. I think some young guys could learn something from watching right. the psychology and just the match itself. And, and you know what? Maybe that we can handle that where we kind of have you talk through it a little bit as you watch it, and so it's just not listening yep. to the audio track the whole time. Be happy to, sure. All right, sounds good. Listen, guys, check it out, boxagimmicks.com, uh, arnlinks.com. That's where you're going to find the Box of Gimmicks link if that's easier. But, again, check out the Four Horsemen merchandise. I forgot to mention at the top of the show, Arn, I had a few guys reach out on Twitter and say, Paulie B, that Ask Arn Anything, I love the gray sweatshirt with a TV title on it. You can find it over at the Box of Gimmicks store as well. And uh, it's keeping me nice and warm on these cold days uh, when we're recording these shows now in the wintertime. Uh, so, yeah, they come in multiple cl uh, co uh, colors as well, easy for me to say. But you can find a little bit of everything over there. We're talking the hats, the jackets, 
And uh, a lot of fun merch. If you have ideas, design ideas, let us know. We have guys that are uh, submitting some designs uh, to us. So if you have just something that you uh, are thinking about, a topic or a quote or something, let us know. We want to make sure we beef up the store. Also, check out our YouTube page. Uh, we would love to get to 50,000 subscribers. Maybe you're an AFS listener and you just watch everything on AFS. But go out to the Arn Show on YouTube and subscribe. That would really help us out a lot. Another easy, free way to help help out the show. Uh, but Arn, this has been a lot of fun. We're going to wrap it up on behalf of the Enforcer, Arn Anderson. I'm Paul Bromwell, and we'll see you right here next week again on Arn. Hey, everybody. This is Dan Bespris, host of Fantasy NBA Today, a daily fantasy basketball podcast. We cover every box score from every game every day. Plus bonus shows on buy low opportunities, players to stash, schedule analysis, and really anything you could need to smash your league into deliciously tiny pieces. Catch the Fantasy NBA Today podcast, part of the Believe Network, on YouTube or wherever you listen.